is new hope for women who were told they could never get pregnant. A local clinic is offering groundbreaking fertility procedures you won't find anywhere else. Tenure reporter Jennifer De La Cruz on... Wow, won't find it anywhere else. Yep, they're talking about using PRP, or platelet-rich plasma. It's a super hot and trendy item right now. PRP use was first initiated in sports medicine back in the 1970s, and it has since expanded into many medical specialty fields. This has been used to regenerate skin and cartilage, to treat autoimmune conditions, and even to treat hair loss. Nonetheless, it's still considered very controversial. PRP contains an array of cytokines and growth factors, as well as a number of small molecules that is thought to be not just cellular reparative, but also angiogenic. Platelet-rich plasma is produced by concentrating a woman's own platelets after her own blood draw. PRP treatment has been proposed as a method to improve ovarian reserve. Previous small anecdotal reports have suggested that even menopausal women could have restoration of normal ovarian reserve after treatment with this agent. This has led to the new phrase and the new term, ovarian rejuvenation. Well, can a dying ovary be brought back to life? Is this a new area of fertility science, or is it science fiction? We'll examine the evidence in this episode, and as always, you'll want to hang out with us until the end of the episode, because we'll give you our own perspective on this issue and give you some real-world implications. This topic recommendation came from Amy, one of our podcast listeners. Amy, just like you, I've also received questions from patients regarding this technique because it's all over social media and it's all over the web. Well, we're going to try to get to the bottom of this thing in this episode. So, Amy, thanks for your podcast suggestion. Here we go with ovarian rejuvenation. Just trying to keep everyone up to date on evidence-based practice because medicine moves real fast. This is Clinical Pearls. This really is a hot and controversial topic right now. The internet is already full of ads and claims of success for ovarian rejuvenation. On August the 19th, 2022, USA Today ran a story on this with a concerning headline. The headline read, PRP, ovarian rejuvenation, gives new hope for pregnancy during early menopause. Wow, new hope? By the way, if you look at the entire article and you do some due diligence, you'll see this final little quote and disclaimer at the end. This study is paid for by the advertiser. Members of the editorial and news staff of USA Today Network were not involved in the creation of the content. Now, I have to be honest, I'm not in journalism, I do medical education, but I find it interesting that a big headline from USA Today had nothing to do with research or writers or journalists from USA Today. I'll just leave it at that again. Now, I want to be very clear, this is in no way to minimize some of the great infertility research and work that's being done out there by both physicians and scientists. And for those providers that are on the breaking edge, on the groundbreaking data, uh, you know, my hat's off to you. I mean, there is great things being done out there, legitimate research, both on 
platelet-rich plasma and stem cells, and even on mitochondrial aspects of infertility. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But I just want to be very clear, this is not to minimize the great work and, and a lot of research being done in infertility. But regarding platelet-rich plasma, this is definitely not mainstream yet. Now, it may be at some point, but as of January 2023, it's definitely not yet mainstream. We're going to take a look at all this data here in just a minute. So one of the things that we do here at Clinical Pearls is to be very transparent and, and let everything out. So we're going to provide both sides of this story because there is no predominance of the evidence here we're going to give both sides, and at the end, we'll give you our final take on it so that you can be the final judge for what's best in your practice and for your patients. Well, where did this thing even come from regarding fertility and PRP, platelet-rich plasma? Well, as we've said before, there's nothing new under the sun. That office that we spoke of, and we give that little clip in the beginning, didn't come up with this. This was actually first published as an abstract in 2016 out of Greece. Yeah, that abstract was presented at the European Society of Human Reproduction and Embryology when it was in Helsinki, Finland. It briefly summarized findings from eight perimenopausal women. Now, you heard right, not 80, just the number eight. On average, the subjects were 45 years of age and had experienced menstrual cessation for about five months prior to the PRP procedure. The authors claim that PRP injections into the ovary temporarily restored ovarian activity. Now, did you catch that once again? We've got to be that very clear here. The study pool was eight. This was their account. After whole blood was drawn and after its centrifugation, the autolytus serum was injected into the ovaries with guided transvaginal ultrasound imaging. Menstruation was observed one to three months following the procedure. Upon menstruation, all patients underwent the beginnings of natural in vitro fertilization without additional ovarian stimulation or gonadotropin-releasing hormone. Once a follicle greater than 16 millimeters was observed, ovulation was stimulated with 5,000 IUs of human chorionic gonadotropin. Follicle aspiration was conducted 32 hours later. The process resulted in an average of 1.50 oocytes per patient, which were artificially inseminated and cryopreserved for potential transplant at a later date. All right, so that's the excerpt directly out of the abstract. Let me stop there for a couple of moments. So first of all, we already talked about it was an N of 8. Second, it yielded 1.5 oocytes per patient. Again, if that's fantastic for you in your interpretation of the data, that's great. To me, that really is not scientifically heavy. But nonetheless, this has caught fire. And this was actually one of the first times that this was put out into print as an abstract. And then now we've run with it. Now, if you think I'm being a little harsh on them, it's not just me. I mean, there are commentaries out there that are like, wait a minute, this was a super small study. There's no long-term outcomes. And we've picked this up and run with it. And, and I think there's issues here. Another commentary wrote, quote, even with the potential for healing and limited risk for negative outcome, it's a bit irresponsible to claim PRP injections regenerate ovaries based on this N of 8 without sufficient data provided, end quote. 
why PRP injections into the ovaries would improve ovarian function has remained subject to speculation, but the current leading hypothesis suggests that undefined growth factors released from these platelets may help induce the transformation of germline stem cells into primordial follicles, thereby replenishing the diminished follicle pool. But evidence for this hypothesis is sparse. Now, another commentary and another rebuttal to this process is because these usually do not have controls. In other words, injecting the ovary with, say, saline, there's no comparative value here between the platelet-rich plasma donation or injection and just giving the ovary some kind of saline. I mean, it is possible that just injecting the ovary, that ovarian trauma, can trigger a reparative process and yield the same results. And that hasn't been checked. That's why this is controversial. Now, we said that the evidence behind the hypothesis of how this works is sparse, but it's not absent. So to be fairly balanced here and to give you both sides, there is some data on mechanism of action. The effect of PRP on ovarian function has been studied in rat models with some promising results. In August of 2020, in the journal Reproductive Biology and Endocrinology, researchers demonstrated some hopeful results. They examined the effectiveness of PRP as a therapeutic alternative for premature ovarian insufficiency in rats. The researchers induced POI in the rats by daily intraperitoneal administration of a gonadotoxic chemical agent for 15 consecutive days. Yeah, if you're a little rat lover, I'm sorry you had to hear that. After induction of premature ovarian insufficiency, PRP solution was directly injected intra-ovarian in two different concentrations. Every two weeks post-injection, pathological changes were then monitored in the ovaries using H&E staining methods until eight weeks had passed. FSH content in serum was also measured together with the expression of the angiogenic-related transcripts ANGP2 and KRD, and this was done by PCR. Well, they did find that the injection of PRP at two concentrations actually did reduce the number and extent of follicular atresia and the inflammatory response in the ovary. So it did seem to work at least on a molecular level regarding the angiogenic and the inflammatory response in the ovary. And FSH also showed a decreased trend in concentration after the eight weeks of PRP treatment, but this was not found to be statistically significant. Okay, well, that's great for little rats, but does this work in humans? And does it actually translate to the actual end goal, the ultimate pinnacle here, which is for women with infertility? Well, does it actually translate to an increase in live births? Well, before this is able to be rolled out nationwide and worldwide, there's some things that have to be done first. Most importantly is that there has to be a standardization of this PRP preparation protocols because there isn't one right now. There also has to be a way to exclude or include patients for this kind of therapy. And again, that's just not out on a standardized level yet. And most importantly, where to inject this PRP solution hasn't been standardized either. I mean, is this only in the cortex? Is this into the stroma? Is this a single injection? All of these points are still currently lacking. Despite a handful of case reports which have described the use of PRP injections into the ovary in humans, knowledge on the mechanisms and safety of PRP injections into the ovary still remain limited. 
It is true, though, that there are very few to no adverse effects reported with this procedure, but nonetheless, more data is needed to confirm that. Nonetheless, there are some published studies showing some efficacy of this novel technique in real patients, but therein lies the issue. It's how authors describe efficacy. Some studies show biochemical evidence, in other words, changes in antimalurian levels or FSH levels as a surrogate marker for success. Others show, quote, resulting clinical pregnancies, end quote. Yep, did you get that? Clinical pregnancies. Now, while both of those things, biological markers and clinical pregnancies, are good to monitor, they're not the ultimate end targets. Remember, the end target is a healthy live birth. Now, before we go on to review some of the data, a quick word about this clinical pregnancy issue. I mean, could you imagine there's nothing more devastating to a couple already struggling with infertility due to a aging ovary than to have a positive pregnancy test, that's a clinical pregnancy, only to have it end in a miscarriage because remember, egg quality here still doesn't seem to improve. I mean, we can make and recruit new eggs, but we really can't change the genetics. We can't change the egg quality. And that's one of the issues here. The other thing with measuring clinical pregnancies is that just because the ovary had this deposit of platelet-rich plasma doesn't mean that the ovary wouldn't have had some spontaneous uptick in ovulation at times. Remember that all patients with premature ovarian insufficiency can have a quick burst of ovarian activity again until it finally fizzles out. It doesn't just stop working. There can be an interval of spontaneous regeneration, if you will, of the ovary when some ovulatory cycles occur and then it finally just fizzes out. We know that already from the literature. And I'm going to highlight that when we review a recent publication where the authors said that very thing. I think it helps to put this into perspective about clinical pregnancies versus live births because it was a paper published in the Journal of Global Reproductive Health in 2022 whose endpoint was just that. I mean, they had two groups of women. This was done out of India where they all had diminished ovarian reserve and then one group had the intra-ovarian installation of this platelet-rich plasma. And what the authors found is, oh, well, there was a significant increase in clinical pregnancy rates observed in women with the intra-ovarian installation compared to controls. But clinical pregnancy rate was the outcome, not life birth rate. Again, how devastating would it be if those clinical pregnancies later went on to just have a miscarriage? So we don't know that yet. Now, in true balance and in all disclosure, the authors did say that this study is still ongoing. So hopefully some of these questions can be better elucidated as the study goes on. While that study just looked at clinical pregnancy rates, there have been other publications that have looked at live birth rates. Another publication from 2020 did specifically address live birth rate after this treatment. This was published in Reproductive Science in November of 2020. Here is an excerpt from this publication. This study involved 38 women between the ages of 31 to 45 with low ovarian reserves after at least two unsuccessful attempts to retrieve their oocytes through IVF. They then underwent PRP preparation and injection into the ovary using either a ultrasound-guided procedure transvaginally or a laparoscopic-assisted approach. 
after PRP treatment, women were tested with several criteria for 12 months. Quote, we saw a significant improvement in hormone levels. Six healthy babies were born. Ten pregnancies were achieved. And four out of those ten were from natural conception. The authors go on to say, PRP injections into the ovaries are safe, productive, and a natural treatment that may help women with premature ovarian insufficiency give birth to their own child, end quote. So there's a lot there to unpack. The first thing is there was six healthy babies, six, but there was 10 total pregnancies. So out of the 10 pregnancies, six made it, meaning four, uh, assumably, were lost. There's also noticeably a lack of data regarding the pregnancy itself. Were there any complications? Were they preterm? Did they have preeclampsia? And were these children genetically normal? I mean, we just don't have that information. That's one of the criticisms with this movement is that there's a lot of half data without complete pictures, and that could be dangerous. While that study did comment on the live birth rate, another study from 2022 found the exact opposite, that it didn't help. This recent publication adds more clarity to this whole issue, and the title of this publication is Preliminary Report of Intra-Ovarian Injections of Autologous Platelet-Rich Plasma in Extremely Poor Prognosis Patients with Only Oocyte Donation as an Alternative, a Prospective Cohort Study. This was published in Human Reproduction Open in June of 2022. This was a prospective cohort study of 80 consecutive patients between the ages of 28 and 54 with extremely low functional ovarian reserve. The authors of this publication stated that these were patients who were likely to have a chance of pregnancy only through third-party oocyte donation. And that was because their antimalarian hormone was so low, their FSH was high, or they had at least one prior IV. VF cycle with less than or equal to three oocytes within the year. The women were followed for one year after an intra-ovarian PRP procedure. Well, what happened? Well, there were two 40-year-old, very poor prognosis patients who had previously failed IVF cycles but did get pregnant at a pregnancy rate of 4.7% after intra-ovarian PRP. That's 4.7%. But the authors make it clear that this was likely not a result of the procedure at all. As has been published in prior reports and as we have already discussed, the improvement may be accounted for by, quote, regression to the mean, end quote. In other words, even in extremely poor prognosis patients due to limited ovarian reserve, sporadic pregnancies are still possible. But this has nothing to do with the procedure that was done. In this study, women failed to demonstrate statistically significant outcome benefits from intra-ovarian PRP. There was no clinically significant effects of PRP treatment on ovarian function observed after one year of follow-up. So the authors attributed these two additional pregnancies to spontaneous pregnancies as the ovaries can wake up at times before their final cessation is finally complete. And we've already talked about that. So these authors were, to say the least, less than impressed.
Additionally, numerous other studies have looked at PRP and have shown mixed results. In the largest study done yet, out of 311 women, only 8% ever achieved a sustained pregnancy. This was published in 2020 in the journal called Aging. The title of that publication is Effects of Intraovarian Injection of Autologous Platelet-Rich Plasma on Ovarian Reserve and IVF Outcome Parameters in Women with Primary Ovarian Insufficiency. Here's how you put those results in proper perspective. When you consider that previous published data has shown that even premature ovarian failure patients can have about a 6% chance of pregnancy by themselves, the improvement we just talked about falls short of being a dramatic rejuvenation of the ovary story. The ability to increase a woman's fertility would for sure be a fountain of youth, well, at least speaking in the reproductive sense. This is a hot area of research, and there is active investigation right now to try to find other ways to help restore ovarian function in those with diminished ovarian reserve. These have included things like stem cell research into the ovary. And another approach is to use mitochondrial testing and mitochondrial work to try to change the function of the ovary from within. But again, these are definitely not ready for prime time, and they're still considered lab bench work and experimental. All right, podcast family, I'm going to leave you with our final take-home clinical pearls as we get ready to wrap this up coming up next. So as we get ready to wrap this up, here's something to consider as final clinical pearls. Despite small anecdotal success stories in most medical disciplines and now specifically discussed in ovarian rejuvenation circles, the efficacy of PRP is still under debate. There are currently several large trials looking into this procedure right now to try to see if this is more fact than fiction or the other way around. As stated in a publication by Springerlink in February of 2021 titled Controversies in PRP, quote, the lack of robust clinical data assessing the efficacy of PRP has led to considerable skepticism of what is a highly lucrative procedure for most providers who offer it without the prioritization of unbiased quantitative evaluations of PRP, controversy surrounding it as a procedure built upon unsubstantiated hype is likely to continue, end quote. And then there's the cost issue. This is not considered mainline treatment as of yet, so it's not covered by most third-party payers. For example, on the Aetna Insurance homepage, it states, Aetna considers platelet-poor plasma or platelet-rich plasma injections experimental and investigational because its effectiveness has not been established. And they have a right to say that because that's currently completely accurate as of January 2023. And patients need to know that it may not be covered, and that would be a cash-flowed procedure. And what does ACOG say or ASRM? Well, there's no formal statement on the subject yet as a testimony to just how new this whole concept is. The truth is, there's a lot of potential here, and this may be truly scientifically solid, but we're just not there at this time. There needs to be standardization of technique, standardization of procedure, and more robust data. I'm not concerned that much about the safety because no severe adverse events have been reported, but there's probably very little efficacy. 
But it's the whole tagline of this podcast, right? Medicine does move fast. And perhaps in one or two or five years down the road, maybe this will be mainstream. But it's definitely not mainstream right now. And I'll leave you with this thought. Just as IVF at one point in medicine's history seemed to be fantasy in science fiction, it could be that injections into the ovary of platelet-rich plasma is the way to go for those with diminished ovarian reserve. But as of January 2023, the data is just not there for us to go hog-wild with this procedure. All right, podcast family, we have covered ovarian rejuvenation. Kind of reminds me of the whole vaginal rejuvenation that was so hip and so popular for a while. And now it's basically a little bit off to the sideline because the data there was never that strong. Again, no beef against anyone doing vaginal rejuvenation. But here at Clinical Pearls, remember, we're all about the data. We're all about safety. And above all, we're all about being patients advocates. We're thankful for you, and we're glad that you're part of our podcast family. And we'll see you next time on another episode of Clinical Pearls.